WGN Radio, and welcome to Quest for Gold. We're just over 10 months to go before the summer games in Japan. So what happened this week? Well, first and foremost, a couple losses for Team USA men's basketball. The team beat Brazil to earn a slot in the 2020 games, but then lost to France in the FIBA quarterfinals, 89-79 and followed that up with a loss to Serbia the next day, 94-89. A loss to France, the first in 58 international games. Here's what Coach Greg Popovich had to say. Any loss hurts, Uh, and in this situation it hurts more, but uh, life goes on. You know, this is is very important, and uh, we would have loved to have won, just like any other team would love to win their games in this tournament. Uh, But... We're all, we're all grown, we all have families and lives, and life will go on. We spoke last week with men's beach volleyball duo Taylor Crabb and Jake Gibb. They took fourth at the FIVB World Tour Finals in Rome, inching closer to fellow Americans Phil Dullhauser and Nick Lasena to grab that second U.S. vacancy. Libertyville native rhythmic gymnast Laura Zhang took sixth in the all-around and seventh in hoop ball and clubs at the World Challenge Cup in Portugal. A couple weeks ago, we talked USA Tennis, Serena Williams finishing second second at the U.S. Open in New York to 19-year-old Bianca Andrescu. I love Bianca. I think she's a great girl, but I think this is the worst match I've played all tournament. And it's hard to know that um, you could do better. Not the ideal finish for Serena but it keeps her in prime position to land an Olympic spot. And the most decorated Olympian of all time has a new son. Michael Phelps and his wife, Nicole, welcomed baby Maverick into the world September 9th. This is their third child. This week, we put the spotlight on sailing and a local athlete hoping to qualify for Tokyo. Hi, my name is Maggie Shea. I'm from Wilmot, Illinois, and I sailed a 49er FX. I met with Maggie along the windy Chicago River. I grew up sailing with my family on Lake Michigan. Um, my grandpa and grandma live in, in Michigan, and um, I was really lucky to grow up sailing with my uncles and aunts and cousins and my immediate family. Um, and I really just fell in love with all aspects of the sport uh, at a young age, and including the like boat work and the deliveries and the social aspect of it. And so I felt really lucky to just buy into the whole sport as a whole, as a lifestyle. Um, and then in high school, I started sailing competitively for the Nutrier Sailing Team. Um, Chicago Yacht Club became my second home during the summers. Uh, the junior program there was a really great place to you know, meet new kids, jump into the sport, and learn the fundamentals of racing. Um, and then I you know, coached at Chicago Yacht Club throughout college. And then since college, they've become a really great support network for me and my teammates on our campaign. When you got into sailing and when you started doing it at Nutrier, I mean, did you think that you would continue to progress? Or was this just something fun that you did kind of on the side? No, I, um, I knew I wanted to try to take this to the top from the very beginning. I totally fell in love with the sport. I fell in love with uh, traveling. Um, I fell in love with how many different beautiful places I got to sail and uh, I loved the competitive aspect of it so um, I knew from the beginning that I wanted to you know make a lifetime commitment to this this sport and this campaign and um, yeah I'm just excited to be doing it at this point. Can you explain the the event that you take part in the sport specifically and you've got a partner right and and just kind of kind of walk us through people who might not know be familiar with sailing uh, what it is the sport that you're competing in. I compete with a gal named Stephanie Robel. She's from East Troy, Wisconsin. Um, 
it, we sail on a two-person boat in the women's class, obviously. There's an identical boat that boys sail. It's called a 49er, and we sail the 49er FX. So it's the same hull. It's a, a lightweight boat that's designed to go fast, um, and we just have different set of sails for the different body weights of men and women. Um, so we compete. Just the two of us together on the water, the boat is it weighs about 200 pounds, um, which is relatively light for a boat. It goes, it can go up to like 25 miles an hour, um, and it's called a high-performance skiff. So it's challenging to sail, but really fun. And we love, we're totally addicted to the speed aspect of it, and we love that part of it. When you compete, are you racing against time? Are you racing uh, against boats at the same time? How does that work? Yes, we compete in fleet racing. So a fleet of 20 to 30, sometimes even 40 boats will race all at the same time on a short course. And whoever finishes the race first gets one point. You finish the race second, you get two points. And then over the course of a regatta, which might be five or 10 or 15 races, um, it's low point scoring. So whoever has got the lowest score wins the race. I can imagine that most of the people you're competing with, at least Americans, uh, are from the coasts, not from the Midwest. I mean, are you pretty unique from that perspective, that, that, that you and your partner are both from the Midwest? Yes, yeah, certainly when we were younger it added the challenge of um, we had to do a lot, we had to travel a lot more in the off season because obviously we can't sail here in the winter and didn't want to so um, you know that was financially challenging and logistically challenging but it also meant that you know we we adapted to the travel schedule at a young age and learned how to kind of manage our time and live on the road and um, you know commit to that lifestyle which was is pretty important now because we learned to live out of a suitcase at a young age and now we're doing it 200 to 250 days a year at a, you know as 30 year olds so um, yeah certainly being from the Midwest was was tough uh, in the off season because we would get rusty and the kids from Florida and California would just smoke us but it, you know we we overcame it <laughs> there's been a big contingent of uh, Midwest sailors actually in the Olympics and the recent quads um, and the Inland Lake Network and the Lake Michigan Network is actually a really competitive group. Um, and I almost think that sometimes in in a, an area where the off-season is so brutal weather-wise, they are, people actually participate and sail more in the good seasons. You know, so, you know, people, they fill up the racing schedule every single weekend for three months or six months, whatever it might be, as opposed to elsewhere in the country, they might race once or twice a month. Where are you at right now as far as qualifications? Where are you at in this process? So in Olympic sailing, the country has to qualify for a berth at the Olympics. So in the 49er FX, there are 21 country berths at the Olympic Games. So 21 total countries will be competing at the Olympics in Tokyo um, in our class specifically. Those class sizes range anywhere from 19 to 45, depending on the class and the number of countries participating. So anyhow, so 21 total classes will be competing in the 49er FX in Tokyo. And we recently qualified the United States for a country berth um, at the Pan Am Games. We were the top North American team and therefore qualified the U.S. for that North American spot. You were. You and your partner were the top. Yeah. Okay. Top North American team. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the slot is there. Yes. It's just a matter of, yeah. of what the what USA decides to do then? Yeah. So once we've qualified the U.S. for a spot, then the U.S. trials begin. So um, technically they started last month in Japan at the Olympic test event and the Sailing World Cup Japan event. Um, they will conclude in February 2020 at the World Championship in Australia. So it'll come down to two events. One is in November in Auckland, New Zealand, which is our World Championship. The second is our 2020 World Championship in Melbourne, Australia. So do you go back to zero then? I mean, does everyone go back even? So even though you qualified, it goes back. Yeah, but it, it does. It's clean slate. Anything can happen. And uh, we're really excited for those two World, event, World Championship events. 
you just came from Japan. What uh, what, what are the conditions like there? What uh, what are some of the? I mean, that's pretty cool that you got to see the venue. Is that the venue where the uh, uh, competition is going to be taking place? Yep, we. It was our it was our fourth trip to the Olympic venue in Enoshima, Japan, which is about 30, 30 miles outside Tokyo. Um, it's right on the ocean, and it can be it can vary greatly in conditions. Um, it's uh, it's sometimes it's open water ocean sailing and it's totally gnarly huge waves especially if a typhoon comes and it's really windy huge waves and can just be a handful and then other times it can be flat water offshore racing really tactical and strategic and uh, less physically challenging but challenging other ways so this venue is incredible from a organizational standpoint and it's going to be extremely challenging from a weather condition standpoint because we have to be ready for and expect anything and that's pretty unique sometimes oftentimes venues have like uh, a pattern of conditions and this one's pattern is that we have to expect anything it can be anything so Outside of sailing, how does Japan look as far as being ready for these Olympics? I mean, can you get a feel for, are they are they excited about it? They, I think everything is already, I mean, they could host, it seems from a sailor's perspective, like they could host the Olympics tomorrow and we're a year out, so it's really impressive. I mean, this year we had incredibly hot temperatures, like in the 90s every day, and the water was like in the upper 70s, so a lot of sailors were struggling with um, heat exposure, heat exhaustion and everything, and they just got their act together and they delivered as much ice as they could and as many you know as many inside facility like uh, air conditioned tents in the boat park you know they just did everything they possibly could to help the sailors adjust to the pretty harsh climate it's um very extreme and we were really surprised by that you know, we, we heard it was going to be hot, and then it was actually incredibly hot, and we were blown away. So, being an Olympian is the goal; it's the dream. Is it is it hard to kind of put that aside and think about the task at hand rather than putting yourself at the opening ceremonies? You know what I mean? Like you you've got many steps; you still need to, to get to that point. But I'm sure your your mind is thinking, you know, where am I going to be at the end of July? So, I, what, what is this kind of mental struggle that maybe you deal with, or maybe it's not? Yeah, I think it's really different. For everybody, you know, um, my teammate Steph and I focus on the process and the small steps. Um, we break everything down into really tiny goals, and we, you know, we meticulously set goals for every day, for every session on the water, even related to our lifestyle and how we go about campaigning. Um, and you know, we project ourselves into different places. So, for example, I think my teammate Steph loves to imagine herself at the opening ceremonies, and that really amps her up and gives her confidence. I don't. I, I like to think about, okay, what's the next one little thing I'm going to do, and then what's the next thing after that? And it might be as small as, I'm going to make sure I'm really hydrated today and drink my water bottle, whereas she loves to envision, like, getting on the podium, and she loves to flash back to times that we have been on the podium and we've won races. But those thoughts, for me, can be anxiety-provoking. So we kind of go a different route in how we visualize and what really gets us excited. Process aside, is that something that you've been thinking about for a long time in your life, being in that position? Yeah, absolutely. I've um, I've dreamed about it. I've admired people that have done it. And I've... Um, you know, made it obviously my my lifetime goal to, to make it there and to compete and represent the United States and try to bring back a, goal, a medal. Um, I, I mean, I would say that I my first trials was in 2008 and I was not even competitive. I think I finished in the top 10, but not competitive. And then Steph and I did the trials again in 2012 and we finished fourth. And so that was pretty far off, you know, um, and we knew we were going to be pretty far off, but we had to take a, a quad to learn how to campaign and um, learn how to fundraise and deal with all of the, you know, the logistics involved. 
And then in 2016, I sailed with several different people in the same boat, um, and that was really just to gain experience in the boat. And um, you know, when I started changing partners frequently, I realized that that campaign was really experience building and, and time in the boat, um, and I, not necessarily. Uh, you know, I didn't necessarily have good chances going into the trials. Whereas this campaign, Steph and I have both um, sailed together now for 15 years. We have both done trials before, and we feel like we're well positioned to do well and compete and execute. And so we don't necessarily dream about the Olympics, but we, um, you know, we're excited by the progress we're making toward that goal. How has the U.S. fared in sailing over the years in the Olympics? The U.S. is currently the most decorated sailing country with 60 medals over the last 30 games. Great Britain is right behind us with 58, so we're trying to defend that lead. Um, Great Britain has a really great program and team, and they've been pretty dominant over the last few quads, whereas the U.S. has underperformed in sailing over the last few quads. Um, since the sport went professional in the early 90s, the U.S. medal count has tapered off, and um, you know we have obviously, as a team, have embraced you know our need to make a comeback and our need to turn things around and our need to work harder. And um, I'm I'm looking forward to defending that lead at this games. So it, it sounds as though it's not just being there. I mean. It, U.S. sailing's goal is to win gold. I mean, it's not just, hey, we're just glad we're here. I mean, there are expectations when you arrive, if, you know, however, whoever arrives, that they're going to medal. Yeah, absolutely. And there's been a big culture shift on the team in the last four years. We have a new um, high-performance director, or chief of Olympic sailing. His name's Malcolm Page. Um, He's actually from Australia, and he's got two gold medals and one silver medal himself. So we came to the program, and he just said, we need to stop comparing ourselves to each other domestically, and we need to be worried about how we compare internationally. So he changed even the standards for making the U.S. national team. It used to be... uh, it used to be good enough to be the top American at specific regattas. And now the standards are much higher and you have to be top 10 at major international events in order to qualify for the team in the first place. And then the standards are even higher to make, you know, really good funding. Um, so, yeah, the, it's it's been clear from, you know, the top and from the administration that we need to compare ourselves to the best in the world in order to be the best in the world, and that's that's been our focus. So we really haven't worried about the other U.S. teams until this small portion of the campaign, you know, until the U.S. trials. We've, we've really been looking outwardly. We have international training partners. Um, we've been, you know, focusing on how do we beat the best in the world, not necessarily how do we beat the other U.S. teams. I mean, what's your relationship with those other U.S. teams? Well, I have a lot of respect for them. They're incredible sailors. Their name is their names are Paris Hankin and Anna Tunicliffe. Anna Tunicliffe has a gold medal from 2008 Olympics, and Paris Hankin was the 49er FX skipper in Rio, and they finished 10th, so they sailed really well. Um, they're, they're both really great sailors, and we our two teams push each other to be better and get better, and so we're I'm grateful for them and for how they've just, you know, we've had to push ourselves to be better than them. And so I'm grateful that we have a very fierce competitive relationship because it's put us both in a better spot internationally. Is the Olympics the peak of the sport? Well, sailing's got a lot of different um, disciplines, and certainly it's in dinghy sailing, it's the top of the top. It's the it's the pinnacle of dinghy or small boat sailing. Um, however, it's not at all where the money is. So that does, um, you know, that poses some problems. It shortens people's careers, you know, because it's hard to 
not make money for four, eight, 12 years, however many years it might be. And sailing campaigns generally are multi-quad campaigns. People rarely start sailing a boat and go to the Olympics and do well the first four years or maybe even not eight years. So you see medalists in their 30s and 40s, which is pretty cool, but that does mean that they've been campaigning for like 15, 20 years sometimes. So that makes Olympic sailing harder to um, stick by. You know, the, the unique thing about the United States also is that we don't receive government funding for the U.S. sailing team, so that's why we all have to do a lot more individual fundraising, whereas in Europe, Oceania, and Asia, those teams get funding from their government, so it's more of a professionalized model, you know, and they can kind of make it a career in Olympic sailing. Anyhow, um, so for small boat sailing, Olympic is the pinnacle. Um, for big boat sailing, the uh, formerly Volvo, the ocean race, um, that, that would be considered sort of the peak of the big boat sailing, or the America's Cup um, for professional sailing, um, but for for small boat, Olympic sailing is the deepest, most competitive fleet across the board, and it's the hardest to get an edge at, and you have to do it as a full-time job, you know, so everyone campaigning full-time in the Olympics while they're sailing is they're sailing 150 to 200 days a year on the water, and that's never at home, <laughs> you know, so that, that means we're on the water, or on the, on the road even more than that. This is not just you sitting at a boat, I mean, there's a lot of physical activity, there's a lot of conditioning that you do while you train and, and wait for your next event. Tell me a little bit about what it is that you're doing. You're running, you're lifting. Yeah, we're, I'm, in this specific phase, Steph and I are trying to gain weight to get to the, the ideal weight for our boat. So I'll be doing a lot of lift, lifting over the next few weeks. We do a lot of interval training. We focus on short, explosive bits of, um, you know, of power. Uh, our class is unique, though, because we do short races on a short course, so it's quite intense, and the activity is, um, you know, short bursts of extreme activity where some boats might have hour and a half long races so they need to focus more on cardio endurance and so our workout programs are tailored very specifically to the role we play on the boat and, and what we're doing you know even even my teammate and I have really different gym programming like m my heart rate will you know max out at 185 during a race whereas she's driving and she's really thinking and she's got the um you know, she makes the strategic decisions, and so her heart rate will max out at 145, for example. You know, so she needs to be have, have better endurance um, with short bursts, and I need to have better, I need to have more strength. You know, so we even have different programs for same boat, just different jobs. What do you do when you're not sailing? Uh, I work out and fundraise. It, this this is a lifestyle, isn't it? I mean, this isn't something you do on the side. It, when when you're committed to a certain sport, this is this is what you dedicate to. Yeah, it's a hundred percent. It's a full time job plus some. You know, it's it's life on the road. It's um, uh, it's it's it takes time from other careers. Um, and it's there's not enough time as it is. You know, even with us both full time dedicated to it, our coach is full time. The US sailing team staff is full time, and we still feel like we're running out of time every time the you know trials come around. So, if people are interested in, in supporting you or one form or another, uh, you know, where can they go? Where they can can they find out information? You know, Robleshay Sailing. We have a five hundred one c three account. Um, we are on social media at Robleshay Sailing. That's R O B L E S H E A Sailing. Um, you know, Steph and I are trying to do a couple things. On on the one hand, we want to go to the Olympics and win a gold for the United States, and we have been dedicated to this goal for 12, 15 years. Um, on the other hand, we also, you know, are really lucky and feel like we're in a position to have an impact on our local community of girls. We work with the area clubs and um, some local organizations to really push women into professional sailing and for them to understand that it's a, it's a great professional route and for them to feel empowered by the sport of sailing. So, um, you know, if, if you're interested in either supporting our team or helping us accomplish those goals, then, you know, 
please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Where do you hang out when you come back to Chicago? With my family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, that, um, I'm usually happy to be back at my home gym because <laughs> yeah. I know where everything is. Uh, I'll definitely always make a trip down to the Yacht Club. If it's nice, I'll get out on the lake because every single place I've ever been to, I just like love Chicago that much more. So it really is a, an incredible place to return to. If you do make it to the Olympics and you get to go into the opening ceremonies, is there one athlete, is there one sport that, that you're interested outside of sailing? Like, is it like, man, I want to get a picture with this person or I'd really like to see that person or have a conversation? Anyone that sticks out? I really admire Simone Biles and uh, what she's accomplished and just her, you know, tenacity and her confidence and, um, you know, how I, I think she's a really great role model for girls um, and women in sports. And I think that, yeah, I, I would love to meet someone Biles and just tell her how great I think she is. <laughs> we'll continue to follow Maggie on her quest for gold. You can keep tabs on her on her team website, www.robleshaysailing.com. And stay tuned next week. We'll continue to update you on news stories and local athletes and their quest for gold only on WGNRadio.com.